Today is the first day of November 2014. We are grateful to have Dr. Alok Pandey back with us for another session. And today's session is on the forces of greed and the corruption of the money power. Welcome, Alok. Mother has written, money is not meant to make money. The idea that money must make money is a falsehood and a perversion. Then she also has written, money is meant to increase the wealth, the prosperity, and the productive productiveness of a group, or country, or better, of the whole earth. Money is a means, a force, a power, and not an end in itself. And like all forces and all powers, it is by movement and circulation that it grows and increases its power, not by accumulation and stagnation. I think this last truth itself is, uh, it's a very vast truth that everything in life is meant for all to circulate. And uh, when we try to keep it for ourselves, um, even the best of things, how it can fall into a trap of an egoistic way of looking at life. In one of the prayers, Mother speaks of a misguided mysticism uh, where she refers to an egoistic desire to unite with the divine. So even something as beautiful as uh, you know union with the divine, which is the highest aim one can ever conceive of, still when we want it only for ourselves, it becomes a selfish motive. Uh, you know, it's very interesting that always I have found that whenever there is a problem or whenever there is an issue and we want to understand it, it's always good to go back to the roots. It applies to everything. The other day someone was asking, for instance, about um, you know, Hindu-Muslim unity, it's a big problem. Mm. <laughs> or for that matter, the unity of all mankind. And, you know, the answer that comes is that it is possible if we go back to our roots, all of us. And if we go back to the roots, we discover that we are not uh, restricted by boundaries of countries. <laughs> we are not limited by the religion we follow. We are not even limited by our belief systems and constructs and the dress or anything. Even our race. Even our race. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that we carry as a common element, it is an aspiration. Man is born with an aspiration. As Shubhinda says, an aspiration for freedom, for light, for truth, for pure truth, unmixed bliss, for immortality. Man of all the creatures, he is not ready to accept the, you know, a state of status quo as the animals do. He wants to break free. It's common to all humanity. And I think when we go back to the roots, we'll ultimately discover some kind of a spiritual element at the source. And I think that is how we have to understand the money power. What money is now? What money will be in the future? But how did it really come into being? And, you know, when I reflect upon this, well, long back, 
there was the barter system as we all know and in Auroville something of that kind what it really implies is that this world um, or rather before the barter system came into existence somewhere a recognition that this world is not really meant for me and me alone we are interconnected so we are interconnected if I take something and I do not give you something in return I am being a thief and it applies at all levels I am reminded of the famous letter of Shirobindo to his wife where he says that so far I think I have been living my life like a thief no. the Lord who would bring money and keep it in a bowl we know that was quite a handful of money you know when he was in service in Baroda at some point it was even 750 rupees a month can we imagine that salary in those days those days and he would just keep it in a ball and anybody the servants would take it and Dinendra Kumar Roy says that he asked him that sir you are having so much trust on these people and they may be stealing and Shubindu says something very interesting that well um, at least it proves that they are not thieves they are honest enough because whatever I need it remains and then he says that whatever I need God gives it to me he showed with practical example what is true socialism of course it doesn't mean that we keep it in an open ball but what it means is that Shurbindo by his own life and example showed that money is not meant just for self-aggrandizement but it's meant for all and to start with as they say generosity begins at home for people who are immediately in connection with us so when we look back in far off times we see that people discovered this law you know the Gita calls it the law of sacrifice and the law of sacrifice is built upon the law of oneness behind all creation there is one one consciousness one truth one power one being and he has become many so everything comes from that seed idea or the seed vision seed experience and if everything has emerged from the one that there is interconnectedness where whether we like it or we do not like it whether we believe in it we do not believe it it's independent of our belief systems it is independent of um, all kinds of thoughts constructs and philosophies from there comes all the possibilities and the distortions all life is one and there is an interconnectedness now what does ego do it says well all life is meant to serve me now that's where the distortion starts God is there to serve me and if he doesn't do as I want you know if he doesn't satisfy my personal interests then he is either cruel or there is no God so you see there is an egocentric view of God there is an egocentric view of relationship I will give only if I get and I should get much more you know people are always happy <laughs> unhappy and complaining that look you know what I did not get from the world and from others hardly ever you know one reflects what I have given really to the world and it's only after we have given that if at all we can use the word the right to claim though even that is a kind of ignorance um, we'll see that but you know if at all after one has given that one can even say that what one has received or not received but when one lives in a state of oneness then one discovers that 
whatever one gives one doesn't give to a form or personality but one gives to the godhead within and this is a very great uh, spiritual truth which has great ramifications in everyday life for instance if i am unhappy in a certain relationship and very often people say look i got nothing out of it but when people give it not to a person but to the godhead within the person the beauty is then they are able to see that well things come they come from many many levels and many sources only we have to keep the eye to recognize it and be grateful it may not come from that source because god is everywhere he is in all beings and this is a very beautiful little story <laughs> i love these stories you know which are so interesting you know this principle of yagna or sacrifice which means that um everything is interconnected from which the yoga of the gita derives itself that when you do something do it as an offering to the divine not to the person and then leave the results in god's hands he will give what he thinks you need not what you think you need yes. so, so it's something very beautiful so there is a very lovely story um, of king bhartahari who um, you know became a great tantric siddha and he has also written a lovely book called uh, niti shatakam the century of life which shobhit is translated into english so you know there is a link also so the story goes that he wanted to marry the most beautiful woman upon earth now probably the earth those days was between kashi and mathura <laughs> so uh, you know he is the king of one place and he finds the princess of the other place is the most beautiful one and they get married pingla and it so happens that in that kingdom there is a brahmin who by the power of his tapasya pleases lord shiva and he gives him an apple and he says look if you take this apple you will be immortal it's very interesting that why apple comes everywhere yeah. that's another interesting very part interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so in indian myths also there are <laughs> interesting uh, apples so he takes it and he holds it and he says what will i do with immortality my aim is to merge with shiva so the apple is of no use to me what should i do with it so he thinks well the king of this palace uh, this kingdom is a wonderful king if anybody he deserves he is a righteous man just man noble man how nice if he becomes immortal so he passes the apple as a gift to the king the king mulls over this and he wonders look this something so precious so invaluable how can i take it by myself i should give it to someone who i love and hold as dearest and whom who is the dearest to him the queen pingla so he passes the apple to the queen now the queen though she is married to him she is not really in love with him she loves a minister in the kingdom and she passes the apple to the minister who in turn is in love with a courtesan and he passes it on to the courtesan who is in turn actually in love with the king so once in the kingdom <laughs> she is dancing and she brings out this apple and says oh king i have got this gift for you what is it it's the apple of immortality now the full circle is complete here it is said that when the king gets the shocker of his life <laughs> traces the whole journey back he renounces everything develops vairagya and goes and you know becomes a tantric siddha 
Much later, his wife Pingla also joins him, and they both become great tantric siddhas. She also realizes, you know, the futility of this. But the story is much deeper than that. It's not just a story about the futility or vanity of earthly life, but very interestingly, an interconnectedness of life. He loved someone, and gave all his life and love to someone. All this love has to come back through somebody totally unexpected. And all this love eventually becomes a means to sublimate his energy of love towards the divine. So that whole experience eventually, because he loved so selflessly, becomes a means to offer himself to the divine. Beautiful. Now, when we look at this, we discover that there are many kinds of interchanges that take place between human beings. Money is only one of them. There are so many means, you know, people give knowledge, people give love, people give uh, protection, shelter, and people gift smile, which is a very rare and beautiful thing. People give hope, courage, faith, so many kinds of things. And in return, there is various kinds of returns that take place. Now, this interchange which is there in creation, and it's not only between human beings, the mother speaks of it at every level. Plants, if we give them love, plants grow, give their energies, and so much so mother has said so much on it, and in Auroville they have also done some kind of research. Japanese have done a research where every day you communicate to the water, and the water changes its yes, molecular. Yes. And mother has spoken of this yes, incidentally, yes. that the water changes its molecular configuration and becomes charged as it were with something very beautiful and returns back to you. It also means that whatever we give to the universe will come back to me multiplied a thousandfold. It's a famous Buddhist teaching and the mother speaks of it. Ill will into the world comes back multiplied. Goodwill into the world comes back multiplied. Love into the world comes back multiplied. Hatred into the world comes back multiplied. Now all these things take place at subtle level. Now when this kind of a interchange of forces wants to concretize itself at the most physical, it is then and then only there comes the need of something very uh, tangible, palpable, not necessarily visible because money is actually an invisible impersonal force and it's good that it is becoming more and more impersonal. So that tangible form it takes is money, you know, to start with a kind of cash where I give this, I can purchase something. And I have got this because I have given something. Typical example, somebody works in, let's say, an organization. Uh, as a doctor, let's take an example. And you heal patients. And when you heal patients, of course, there is an instant reward. If you do it the right way with the right attitude, the instant reward is delight and closeness to the divine, which no money can compensate. But since that's a subtle element and it's not something very visible and since we live also by the body and the physical aspects to our existence there is something which also comes by way of money now this money is meant only to make the external aspects of life also enriched so to start with it brings in a very interesting proposition that outer wealth should be a means to fulfill or to complete an inner act, an inner wealth. Now you see that's where the problem comes in this world. Again, I take this other example. Nalida wrote once and uh, I had this interesting experience with Nalida also. I mean, in, in subtly, 
that there are people, there is a subtle ashram and there is a physical ashram. There are people who are in the subtle ashram who are not in the physical ashram. And there are people who are in the physical ashram who are not there in the subtle ashram. Now, this kind of a chaos always takes place, confusion takes place. Which means that there are people who have outwardly, who are outwardly in a situation, circumstance, etc., etc., but inwardly they are elsewhere. So it creates a kind of disharmony, a disorder in this world. And why this happens is because the outermost life, the outermost aspect of creation, the material aspects of creation are not yet. Now when I say the word are, it may not be true because slowly it is also coming, aligning itself to the inner truth. But 100 years back, it was not at all aligned to the inner truth. A man who is inwardly very rich could be just a pauper mm. on the street. And a man who was inwardly full of depravity of taste, maybe, you know, very rich outside, you know, inwardly poor, outwardly rich, inwardly rich, outwardly poor. But now you see how the balance works, because ultimately there is a divine consciousness behind. So those who have got outer richness without now richness, I'm speaking now particularly to money and wealth without the inner prosperity so what happens is this money eventually only goes into a kind of a self-destruction process if they have children for whom they want to save money children go the wrong way it gets into the head and uh, they you know many of them take to crime they take to as you have said the just the lure and lust of money making more and more money, getting entrenched into more and more falsehood, entering into all kinds of activities, excesses, simply because money was readily available. So when parents very often say that, you know, I want to save for my child, I at least advise them, think twice, thrice, ten times, <laughs> whether the child to start with deserves the saving or not. If there is an inner wealth, yes, by all means. But children are yet to grow. So it's very important that first inner wealth should be cultivated. Now, it's a very interesting story when I look at the Indian myths. This symbol of money is very beautifully brought out. Uh, the god of wealth in the Indian pantheon is not Lakshmi as commonly people you know nowadays uh, talk about. But Kubera, if you go long back. And Kubera is actually the god of wealth and... Uh, in one of Dhuman Bhai's experience also, uh, where you know there is a lot of problem with money, you know how much Shurbindo had problem with money to that extent yes. that he once even yes. said, God has contracted a bad habit. Uh, he, I know he will give me, but he waits for the last, last moment. moment. <laughs> so now, you know, very often people wonder, just as an aside, uh, you know, Shurbindo had all the power in the world and why Why is it that, you know, there are letters to Poonam Chand, letters to so many persons mm. and, you know, just as you were mentioning just uh, before we started the mother's letter to Rutledge, mm -hmm. um, I think he was Admiral. Uh, yes, Admiral, yes, Admiral, Admiral Rutledge. Rutledge yes. And who, you know, uh, wanted to, you know, bring money for the mother and yet uh, how much difficult it was. Even as you said, uh, uh, this Russian uh, 
who actually died in a crash yeah. you know and who had just uh, thought that when he goes back he is going to send some you know 10 million dollars 10 million dollars to, to the film mother. studio absolutely i think she was planning a film studio in the lake in the lake yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> for some reason has not come up but anyways now the lake itself is everywhere and and her work is everywhere but the point is that the money power has been under such a strong grip of the asura stamp of the asura money power and politics that for divine work it doesn't come it comes for all kinds of things people would spend crores and crores of rupees over absolutely meaningless projects for show for sham for you know acclaiming things but for the sake of a divine work very difficult to come so should be there the mother had to prepare the field they were struggling against a uh, if i may use the word an outer consciousness completely under the grip of the asura and human beings who had it would ask 10 questions very few were there who would just generously part mm-hmm. with the money i mean that way navjad ji really an exceptional person who could do that there were few others yes and we have instances for example uh, wealthy multimillionaires who give away yes. a great portion of their money others yes. who have written books saying that give 50% of everything yes. and and you will uh, you will never lack for anything yes yes uh, i think eleanor montgomery also yes, yes left yes. A, some so you know there are so many uh, kinds of uh, you know this uh, there have been people but by and large they ask 100 questions yeah. because you know they uh, it's so difficult to part with that part now in indian mythology we have this god kuber um and as i said duman bhai once you know when there was a problem of money then he had a vision where kuber suddenly appeared before him and took him to his store mm. and he said you know all this wealth which i am guarding well it is meant for mother's work when there is a need when the time is there when instruments are there it will come now this is something very interesting i have seen that if the instrument is ready if there is a work somehow money flows for mother's work more specifically to that but if the instruments are not ready and if you just want money more and more money and misuse it suddenly the sources begin to dry up so you know when sources begin to dry up we have to look somewhere something is amiss and we know, you know we need to look hard at ourselves and hard at the collective life so now this kubera is very interestingly the brother of ravana and as the story goes initially kubera was the guardian of wealth and he had that famous pushpak viman you know which could as the legend goes uh, it could have a whole city on it and it could go from place to place um, uh, full of richness but ravana the asura snatched it from him and drove away kubera to the himalayas where as the legend goes he lives in close proximity to the abode of shiva i find this story very interesting yeah. <laughs> that on one side the money power has been snatched away from divine uses because kubera is a yaksha a being of the mid world who is in service of the gods he is more leaning towards the gods but this power has been now snatched away the famous pushpak and all the power goes into the hands of ravana who surely misuses it of course he makes his own uh, 
country very full of um, gold now that's another symbol of the story that what happens when outwardly there is richness but inwardly there is depravity the ramayana works at several levels so ravana's lanka is full of external richness but except for few people like vibhishna vibhishna is a prototype otherwise there is general depravity and the day vibhishna steps out of lanka its destruction becomes you know clear cut before that there are negotiations things happening even sita's abduction brings him on the brink but vibhishna stepping out of lanka takes away that protection so very often when we talk about prosperity it's very interesting you know recently uh, soon after the election rajnath singh the home minister said something very interesting in his speech that india has to become a great power but not just an external power but also a spiritual power as has been foreseen by shurbindo and yeah. swami vivekananda yeah. because it's very very important yes. mananlal as you know yes. was a great channel for funds for mother and once he asked me will you please go through the whole agenda and find every reference to ganesh Yes. Would you speak a little? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> It's a very interesting story, um, <laughs> and the story goes. Um, I'll just get to it. Okay. Just one little bit mm. in that story of Ravana and Kubir. Mm. I'll complete mm. because Ganesha comes several places, including Ravana's story. Ah. Ganesha is a very common, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> god in the legends. So uh, Shivendra says that now the stamp of the Asura has been upon. money power for a long long time so we can see you know uh, still the kinds of strong egoisms and political heads like ravana they hold the money power and it becomes even more stronger as we gravitate more and more towards the kaliyo now kaliyo is not dark in the way we understand as something negative but an age when working is going on in matter and here also it's very interesting that when king parikshit when you know mahabharata war has ended and the only surviving seed of the entire clan is parikshit so uh, you know he goes and sees in his kingdom that a cow is on one feet strange cow and there is a person trying to cut even that feet so parikshit asks who are you and what is this so the cow says i am dharma and i have four feet as my foundations now all three have been taken away by this man called kali he is the spirit of the age the fourth one with which i am standing is faith all has been taken away and he is going to finish me and then obviously king says you cannot do this so he says but i also have my own dharma i want some place to live and you tell me where do i live so he says tell me where do you want to live okay you live in the den of uh, places where you know gold transactions are taking place where there is money laundering and you know casinos he says okay i'll go wherever there is gold he says fine and he the first place where he lands up is the king's crown because it's made of gold again symbolic story that the political heads and powers how money and politics are intertwined with each other 
you know it's a very uh, it's a very bad nexus of politicians or the power basically they represent the power aspect the money and those who belong to the underworld and that's completes the triumvirate of the asura with which he holds a grip on human nature power sex and money one of the other the asura uses to set a noose on human nature all three mind you which includes interestingly and that is a subject in itself and shobindo speaks of it in supramental manifestation and also in evening talks all three have a divine origin but they have fallen here and have been usurped by the asura only for the satisfaction of ego and desire and therefore it turns into lust and lust into greed basically greed and lust are spirits of appropriation not the act of giving so wherever there is appropriation there is lust so kuber in one of the images is shown riding on a goat goat is a symbol of greed another place he is shown riding on human beings as a vehicle again possessing human beings rather than human beings possessing wealth now where does ganesha come in is very interesting <laughs> as i said ganesha comes in the story of um, uh, ravana also ravana has to carry shiva he wants to carry shiva all the way to lanka and shiva knows it will be a disaster though he has agreed but if an unchaste consciousness carries with it the divine power and the divine energy he can wreak havoc it was his plan he had tied many of the gods but eventually he wanted the highest power to aggrandize his ego and shiva had to fulfill the dharma of the bhakta and the devotee and the and the lord so ganesha intervenes and you know there is a small little humorous story and he places the shivlinga on the uh, on the place called now you know one of the jyotirlingas of shiva and shiva is established there and ravana goes back empty handed and that's when he turns into a full blown asura he is no more a bhakta of shiva and he says now uh, my whole work will be to destroy the gods so these gods have had a very interesting play with the mother and once he says i was meditating and wondering whether such a god existed with an elephant trunk and all and i suddenly saw him and that's when she knew for sure that ganesha is for real <laughs> and she has written so much that he is a lovely child and you know how he would play with mother and he asked like many of the gods asked what he could do he for her yes. and the mother asked him i need money so could you get money he said yes and she says for quite some time he kept his promise for years 3 years 5 years 7 years he kept his promise money kept pouring and then she says suddenly it stopped so she wondered what has happened so she called on ganesha and ganesha appeared and ganesha made an interesting remark he said you know your needs have grown too much that's how the mother says in the agenda <laughs> some other says wondering what does he mean my needs what is it that he cannot fulfill why he cannot fulfill he is one of the gods and then he says you know he revealed to mother that my area of power and influence is mainly on the indian people i have very little power yes, beyond the boundaries of india which is understandable because the gods and the humans 
they are interconnected through the bond of faith. So if there is no faith in a certain section of humanity, so it works both ways. The gods cannot act readily and easily upon that humanity. At the same time, that humanity also remains impoverished because it's always a give and take. The Vedas speak of that. So when we give, we grow. And if we don't give, whatever we have will very soon begin to degenerate. So again, the god of wealth is often associated with river in Indian thought and elsewhere also. Which means it must flow and circulate. And that's where mother was not at all keen on, not happy about accumulating wealth, making more and more money because he says you are trying to create a heap. Uh, this heap is at the expense of a hole somewhere. You are creating an imbalance in creation. Everything, all the powers, forces, energies should circulate. Because they are meant for all. And if they don't circulate, it after a while becomes heavy on the recipient consciousness unless the consciousness is so vast that it can gather it. Which means that if the person is vast inside, all the forces including the money force will flow naturally. But if one is very narrow and he forcibly extracts money, gets money, takes money, it will end towards destruction. So one way or the other, because the consciousness cannot hold the power, any power, one has to be vast. This is a basic premise of, you know, all these energies. So a simpler way is to circulate, because when you circulate, you grow vaster, you get interconnected and at least you don't run the risk. And it applies even to things like knowledge, powers like love, joy. When we are very small, narrow, egoistic, small little joy, and we, you know, lose our balance. So are these financial institutions, stock markets and all, are they built on shifting sands? Yes, and they are going to, uh, if not crash, they should modify themselves. Now These signs are there, early signs. Money is no more now a concrete physical force so much as it's an abstract force, card. <clears throat> which I feel is a very good step. Just the fact of holding money in the hands has an effect. Sri Ramakrishna, you know, he would go to an extent that if somebody put a coin below his bed, you know, below his bed means uh, below his bed sheet and mm -hmm. the, the, the gadda, he would, his whole body would become very uneasy and uncomfortable. Of course, this is in our yoga, we don't have to take that approach and that is also a kind of impoverishment, a limitation. But it shows the effect that money can have on human consciousness as it grows along the spiritual lines. So just keeping money in the pocket, hard cash, has its own problems. So at least when money is becoming more and more, you know, subtle force, more and more plastic. Nobody knows where the money is. It's there, here, there, everywhere. <laughs> Use a card, mm. who really pays, where it goes into. Mm. You know, it's happening all over. So it's very good, this very good. Then the recent events, you know, the movement Occupy Wall Street. 
and the collapse of you know certain financial institutions which were built on falsehood yes uh, built on greed capitalizing on greed and deception you know where people like it used to happen uh, even in india where loans were given and you know after a while you declare bankruptcy so that you basically appropriate the money so there were ways and means of doing it now these things humanity is becoming more and more conscious and uh, at at you know it will be really restored to its original level where you know there are some haves and have nots but one understands that this money which is given to the haves is not meant for their personal aggrandizement but for the purposes of one the general upliftment of human humanity and the human condition the good of the earth and finally the divine uses these are the three immediate uses of money the first is easier general upliftment of humanity which is not just about distributing blankets which is a wrong use i feel because it only encourages tamas but to create institutions institutions which will nourish the intellectual spiritual needs of a humanity educational institutions for example which are educational institutions with a difference i think it's a wonderful use of money because you are investing money for the human development then another very good is use of earth there are so many things like for instance clean ganga project it's a wonderful use of money oh yes the drive of cleanliness wonderful use of money creating beauty beautiful space wonderful use of money and when you use it now people also appreciate it see one of the disease which had afflicted mankind um, shubindo speaks of it as a disease and the mother also was utilitarianism so people used to buy things only based on their utility it's a disease because it means you will debase the taste exactly so now people now value things which are of beauty you know sometimes people wonder why swarovski's you know those small little oh, yes, things so are so expensive yes, yes. <laughs> well they are expensive because that's where the difference lies yeah. you can make a replica out of ordinary glass where would the world be without the great cathedrals absolutely absolutely and that you know uh, answers because many of very often people ask um you know in that age of utilitarianism people raised question on wherever money was used for expressing beauty upon earth as you said great cathedrals in india great temples yes. taj mahal you know places of exquisite beauty so some people at once asked me you know they went to oroville and they asked me uh, sir don't you think it's a waste of money on matri mandir uh, why not give it to feed the poor <laughs> it's a very silly question at one level but a common question it's a common question <laughs> so i to ask them okay what happens when you feed the poor do you really uh, take away the hunger no what happens you bring in greed you bring in inertia you are two results it's not that we shouldn't feed somebody who is in distress but to make it a habit of using money to feed the poor eventually does that what happens when you invest in a place like matri mandir for generations i would rather say for ages to follow here is something which will inspire hope in mankind which will 
make him bathe in the spirit of oneness. A place so charged with the power of the spirit that religious or secular anybody who walks into the chambers comes back replenished and nourished. So this is another kind of food if you like. So I said look you feed the body it's all right fine but which is better to feed the body or feed the soul. And Sri Aurobindo had some strong statements about philanthropy. Oh yes, very strong statements. <laughs> Even when people used to sometimes, the very funny instances, uh, when somebody, you know, offered some money and he gave number of conditions to be used in a, you know, typical goshala and this and that. And the disciple asked, what do we do? He is putting so many conditions. So Shirobindo gave a wonderful reply, accept the money, reject the conditions. <laughs> when you are giving it to the divine, let the divine decide. And there are instances where mother has crossed and not accepted. Yes, I remember that one where the lady had so many beautiful jewels and she was showing each one to mother with such pride. Yes. So the consciousness of the giver is so important and I think it applies to the smallest gift. It, you know, Shubhindu gives this secret in the synthesis that when we give to someone, we should not give it, you know, with, oh, look, I am giving. Look how costly it is. Look, you, to you I am giving. Mm -hmm. I am doing a favor. I am the special one. That's an egoistic consciousness. He says when you give, give it to the divine in the person without calculation and bargain. She also says something very important and at least personally I found it very difficult and somebody had to teach this to me. While giving it was easy to practice. It's going to the divine. But whenever something would be coming I would just become like this. No, no, no. Because you know that sense of the giver and receiver all this was coming in the way. Despite the fact that as I said, I would not buy anything for myself and things would come. But sometimes things would come which are, uh, well, I would feel that they are a bit expensive and, you know, I don't need them and I would not want. Until somebody said, how about practicing this other part that even while receiving, receive from the divine. And I said, no, 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 this is uh, some kind of a justification. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but then after a while, I have understood by now. I can't say I've understood fully. But to an extent I can understand that yes, everything comes from the divine. And the moment I look at a transaction in terms of its quantum, then somewhere the ego element and my value system is at play. What I have to do is, whatever is coming, take it from the divine, don't misuse it. And it's very difficult. It's so much easy to give. Because you are unburdened. You are relieved. So much difficult to receive and use it rightly. And for most, they have a sense, I have given. I have given. Yes. But even there it can be worked upon. Yes. But to receive, hold yes. a force. Yes. And keep it with you till you find the right use. Yes. And then to use it rightly, till then to keep it meticulously, to let it circulate in a beautiful way, that is very difficult. Because see, I always say ascetic path, external asceticism is an easier path. You don't have things to, you know, um, care for. And so you, you know, after a while you dry up all these things and concentrate that little bit part in the divine. 
and the mother says you know people who take that approach they want to simplify everything simplify everything the moment they have something the first impulse is to give it away she has used this word and at the end of it they want nirvana and then she says with mother's subtle sense of humor well if the lord wanted nirvana there would be only nirvana and nothing else but he wants manifestation and how much more difficult to receive to keep to hold as a trustee not as a position but as a trustee it may be 10 rupees it may be billions it may be objects it may be forces it may be energies powers and to use it not because of biases of a personal preference etc but based on an inner inspiration about the need of wherever you are and for you know a general upliftment of the race as i said for the good of the earth and most of all for the divine work in whatever way we can conceive of the divine work so that is the difficult part that is the challenge and that's why shubindu says that the ideal attitude is neither an ascetic shrinking and nor a nor an indulgence and dependence and being possessed by the money power if it's there like any other force fine let me use it rightly if it's not there it's not there do you see a change in the world i see a change in, in general in political yes i see a change i see a change where um, people are beginning to realize that you cannot lead life by creating holes around and you know that's how the in the business world for example this sense of corporate responsibility has come in it has come through the back door and also partly through the front door because more and more people are entering into an organization who are you know coming from a different background and world is changing the youth are changing but also it is coming from the back door that if i have a huge empire and all around me there are slums and poverty eventually where do i draw more from i have dried the roots so you have to return it back to the soil it's the same principle if you return it back to the soil you will have more and more plenty so now everywhere even for instance in corporate world people are beginning to share more and more profits recently i read a very interesting uh, you know i forget the company is it uh, wipro or uh, maybe uh, well i may be wrong but one of the company heads on diwali day they they gifted do you remember sushil uh, some company which has gifted cars yeah. and flats to its employees diamond yeah yeah diamond merchant okay. i think from surat somewhere mm. or bombay they have gifted cars and flats and then when they were asked oh you gave so much he made a very interesting uh, the owner made a very interesting observation he said no 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 i have not gifted anything it's theirs look at the consciousness behind the gift they have uh, done it for me and i must give it back to them and now this started in a very interesting way when he was asked that how did you think of this idea he says you know the company was doing very average and then i thought well you know people were leaving all this was happening so i thought let me try this way let me involve them as part of my family and not just as an employer employee relationship so he started by 
giving back more in this way. And he suddenly found that the employees became a lot more loyal. They were a lot more, you know, uh, happy and engaged with the work as if it was their own company, which is a fact at one level. And therefore, the output and the sales has increased much more. Now, you see this simple recognition that if I have to really even in terms of playing with the money power, I have to share it with those who are connected, at least in that, you know, so corporate aspect has come in. And also along with that, a corporate responsibility towards those who are not so well, you know, gifted. And it's very interesting why this change is coming, because I feel this change is only because of a change of consciousness. Many, many companies uh, recently, uh, Prime Minister Modi's uh, meet with the company heads, industrial heads within India, uh, you know, where he spoke about their own responsibility in building a nation. And it was received very well. And I believe that, uh, you know, times are coming fast where the business world and the political world, all the turmoils that, that are taking place are essentially leading towards the sense of once again universalizing the money force, A, uh, which would be a kind of divine communism, not the uh, Asuric communism, but uh, that was a shadow, but a divine communism, where we share everything with others. And um, the second part where everything is at the service of the divine. And I think the most unique example of that in the world to start with is the ashram, and the second is Auroville. Agreed. Mother said in Oroville, one would give according to what one, what one's nature to give yes. or one's gift in life and would receive according to what he needed. Yes. I, I know, I have asked some people, you know, how does it work? Because there are people who, say, walk into a Oroville store and they pick up sometimes more things. There is a greed element involved. Yes. And nobody stops. You are part of the, you know, Auroville. So I asked them, how does it work? Because, you know, freedom is there. And says very interestingly, because after a while, a person who takes it, you know, because the whole consciousness is working differently, one begins to realize that, well, it is there. I can go and get it. I don't have to accumulate. You see, this spirit of accumulation comes when there is that kind of a dog-eat-dog -dog competition. If I don't do it, Tomorrow what's going to happen? But when I know that the whole community is with me, when I need, it is there to provide me. Then this problem goes away and a lot of it is because of mistrust in each other. Now what happens in the ashram? You know, you know, why don't you say that if I have a problem I, uh, of hospitalization all? Because they know that the community is there. I may never fall sick. But if I fall sick, the whole community works together. Whether you are somebody earning very much and contributing a lot or you are somebody who cannot contribute a penny you stand in the same queue and eat together in the same dining room yes. you have the same facilities yes yes you're not barred from the swimming pool or you know the gym because you know you are not giving money and you are not given an exceptional vip treatment because you are giving money that is something very beautiful i mean one of the things that struck me about the ashram is this that look, we talk about equality and it is still a dream. Even in temples, you know, this people give money and their names are written, it's so crude. 
for Golkund when somebody wanted to gift money and wanted the person's name to be written on one of the rooms, the mother, mother laughingly said, if he insists, <laughs> write the name on a slab and put it on the floor. Nobody likes it. Because you won't run it. <laughs> <laughs> this was her way of teaching yeah. us ignorant humanity. So in Ashram it is so beautiful this way. And the same is Honorville that you know this idea of looking upon people because of their wealth, it is a very stupid idea because everybody is gifted something. You know, some with knowledge, some with power, some with money, some with love, so many things, some with the simple joy of the heart. They have nothing, but yet they are so useful to the world. The people who when they walk past, you feel a joy. And the others, their very presence, you know, pulls you down. <laughs> so they are also giving. So in this world of interchange, everybody is contributing something according to his capacity. And I think the richness of a man is not by what he possesses. And I think it's a well-known thing. But what he can give ultimately, that is the test. Yes. One last little story. Yes which mother was very touched with this story and she said a place land where such stories have been written true or not i must you know she was very fascinated she was fascinated with india not because of reading all the legends and myths but because she had read a particular story and the story is about the gift to shiva so there is this lady who is living in a small little hut and shiva comes um, as a mendicant and asks her something you know gods have this wonderful way give and then you get now it is very strange why should gods want that part we'll just touch upon yeah. so this lady has taken half an apple and half is kept aside and she tells shiva i'm sorry i have just half an apple left which i had kept for tomorrow but if you don't mind it i'll be very happy to give it to you she didn't even know that he is Shiva. And Shiva was very pleased and he said, this is the perfect gift, this is what the mother says. This gift is immeasurable. In terms of quality, it far exceeds the gift of a billion dollars. Though in terms of quantity, a billion dollars are much more useful for God's work than half an apple. For this lady, individually, she has made a perfect gift. Whatever its utility for the collective work, that's a different thing altogether. And this is the most important take-home point, that we are really rich by what we can give. So why does God want it? Many people say, and you know, it's a very crude mentality. God doesn't need money. So I asked them, yes, he doesn't need money for himself. But what if he needs money for us? <laughs> he needs money for earth, yes. for creation yes. upon earth. Yes. So when we give money to God, we are not saying you eat it, obviously. But he needs money for earth, for this creation upon earth, for everything that, you know, for making this earth a beautiful place. And he alone can do it. He has the vision. He has the instruments. And to be able to give to the divine in whatever way one can conceive of to, to you know, to create beauty and divinity upon earth, I think it's the greatest and exceptional privileges. So when we give, we actually create in ourselves a cavit, a kind of a vacuum. 
and when we have given to God, we get what? In terms of something as simple as money, we get a lot more. If we don't give, now what happens? Now if we don't give, he wants to pour, but every pore of ours is filled with money, greed, calculation, bargain. So he wants to give, there is nothing. Kuja is full. Yeah, Kuja is full. When we give, yes. actually it helps us to receive from him. And what a wonderful thing to give money and receive love. I think there can be no better bargain. <laughs> Maybe we could end with this story of uh, the postman. You'll remember it, who used to give one rupee a month. For yes, yes, yes. That would be a beautiful ending. Yes. Um, you share that with us? Yes, uh, who used to send regularly. And I think, I, I may not, because there are two stories that are coming to my mind simultaneously. Mm. Uh, for some time it didn't come. Yes. Uh, and, and mother sent a secretary out to find, find out. Find out, yes. To find out. One rupee a month. One rupee a month. What happened? See how the divine keeps in his consciousness. And the, another one was where a man who just heard, some people were coming to Pondicherry and uh, you know, he heard they were talking about mother, mother, mother. He was a hawker, you know, selling some things and he said, you know, I've been hearing about your mother and it fascinates me so much. Uh, well, I can never go to Pondicherry, I, I, I cannot dream of that. But maybe from my side you can give this one rupee to your mother. And when it was given to the mother, mother kept it in her hand and went into a trance. Then she said, the divine will find it difficult to repay this.